Welcome to the NCLA podcast. I am your host, Rachel Mann, and today we're joined by Brian Ruttman, who's with Moore Norman Technology Center. He's the superintendent and CEO. And for 20 years, Brian has been instrumental in building Oklahoma's workforce through its visionary leadership for Oklahoma Career Tech. With a passion for helping others improve their lives through education and employment, Ruttman is a true innovator and inspiring community servant. His service has included the Oklahoma Career Tech System, beginning in 2003 at Metro Tech Centers in Oklahoma City, where he served as the chief officer, the executive officer, and associate superintendent. And then since 2019, he has led the Moore Norman Technology Center, which we'll refer to as MNTC throughout today's podcast. And his most recent recognition, which I want to make sure we highlight because this is quite the achievement, is that he was named one of Oklahoma's most admired CEOs for 2023 by the Journal Record, which is a business publication in Oklahoma City. Congratulations on that, Brian, and thank you for joining us today. Oh, thanks, Rachel. Thanks for having me on the show and uh, look forward to, to talking about the great things going on at Moore Norman Technology Center. Well, we're excited to hear all about them and starting with learning more about your CTE leadership journey. What is it that got you involved in CTE in the first place and what led to where you're at today? Okay. There's probably a really long version of this I could give you, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to give you kind of the, the cliff notes of it. You know, I grew up in a, in a household that was a career tech household, uh, but I didn't know the full picture of what career tech in Oklahoma was. At, at that time, it was referred to as Votech. And my dad was actually an instructor in the skill centers at, uh, and skill centers are the career tech programs uh, within the uh, Department of Correction system here in Oklahoma. So my, my vision of what career tech was back then was was helping reduce the recidivism rate uh, through giving folks a, a skill, a trade that would allow them to provide for their family through you know legal means. So I had a, an interest in career tech from, from then, but I didn't really know the big picture of kind of that three-legged stool in Oklahoma with uh, the K-12, the tech centers, and the skill centers. Well, in college, um, I was needing to get some experience, and uh, my undergraduate degree was in marketing, so I reached out to uh, Metro Technology Center superintendent at that time and said, I'll come over and work for you for free. I just I just want to get some experience with, uh, you know, marketing, building my skills and, and, and learning a little more about the career tech system in Oklahoma. Uh, so I went over and two days a week I was I was working in their marketing and media department. And about six months into that, the superintendent came down and asked me to go to work for him full time. Uh, my graduate studies were in adult education and training and uh, began uh, working in their uh, professional development department at Metrotech and then uh, grew out of that. But all along the way, my passion just kept growing because I was seeing the difference we were making in in Oklahoma residents' lives uh, through giving them a, a skill, uh, upskilling them for industry and, and allowing them to have a better quality of life for their families. So that passion grew. And um, now that I'm here at More Norman, it just continues to, to flow through me. And I get up every day excited that the work we do changes lives. And you're obviously passionate about CTE. It's something that's been a part of your world since since childhood. Can you share with our audience what makes CTE education so critical in today's world? I'll highlight just a just a couple of them. You know, when I when I think about CTE education in Oklahoma, when I was in school, I you know it was I was you know the late '70s, early '80s is when I was in school, and everybody said you got to go to college, you got to go to college. And you know, I I took that 
path. And while while I completed college, um, you know, I didn't have a passion for it early on, and I took a break along the way. And and uh, I'm thinking, you know, looking back on it today, had I looked and said, "Where's my passion?" You know, I like working with my hands. I like building things. I like doing things. Uh, or maybe my passion was was engineering, and I just hadn't been exposed to those opportunities. Well, if I'd have known more about CTE education back then and and taken advantage of that, I would have been able to do something that I had an incredible passion for. I would have had little or no debt. Um, you know, if, in Oklahoma, high school students attend Career Tech for free. Adults, it's a, a very minimal expense for it um, and could get out and really contribute to the economy. Where, where we look at it today, though, is um, we have this huge skills gap. Uh, whether it's in the trades, like with electricians, uh, plumbers, welders, uh, HVAC technicians, or whether it's in nursing. You know, those are, are critical uh, areas that career tech is known for pro providing a high quality uh, workforce, uh, but there's a huge gap and we're not able to keep up with that demand. So what I hope we see is that continued, that continued push to look at how micro-credentialing and certifications and, and how things like uh, CNAs are in. AUAs, uh, welders, electricians, all those are going to be necessary as we move in to the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Career tech plays a key role in providing that workforce, and it's just super critical, uh, probably more so now than we've ever seen. The great thing is people are starting to recognize the value of career tech education, and we're seeing more young people saying, I want to do this for my career, and they're coming to us early and getting into that workforce early on. And can you share with us an innovative practice that's taking place in your organization that our listeners might be able to replicate in their particular context? Next. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll give two examples. Uh, one is around our basic peace officer certification program. Uh, in Oklahoma, uh, we have an agency called CLEAT uh, that uh, in the past, anyone that was going to go through the basic peace officer certification to go be a police officer or a, a deputy sheriff would go to Ada, Oklahoma, uh, which is, is kind of on the eastern side of the state. Um, and if they lived in, in Woodward, Oklahoma, out in the northwest corner of the state, that'd be a pretty good trek. They'd have to go spend about 16 weeks there away from their work, away from their family and loved ones, uh, and, and away from, you know, that, that uh, uh, community that, that uh, they've grown up in or feel safe in and, and go through that training. Well, in 2020, I believe was the year we started this process, uh, CLEAT provided the opportunity and our Oklahoma legislature provided the opportunity for career techs to start offering that training to their local uh, law enforcement partners. So Moore Norman was the first school in the state of Oklahoma to be approved and start offering classes. Uh, we do the, the basic peace officer certification, just like what they would go through at CLEAT, but they're able to stay in the communities that they that they live and work. So our primary communities that we serve are Moore, Oklahoma and Norman, Oklahoma. And then we have a lot of smaller communities uh, on the outskirts of us. And then Midwest City uh, is a partner in our in our program as well. Uh, so what we do is we partner with those agencies. And, and, and I say partner uh, because we're 
we're not charging anything for this training that we do for the agencies. It's, it's kind of an in-kind. They provide uh, resources like the training officers that are CLEAT approved to do the training for us. We essentially provide the facilities, the equipment, uh, and, and bring all those resources together to, to create this wonderful training program. So the, the core of it is based off of what CLEAT requires, but we work with our partner agencies to look at what their local community needs are. So a, a community in Moore, Oklahoma uh, may have very different needs. Uh, I mentioned Woodward, Oklahoma, which is my hometown out in the northwest part of the state. Uh, their law enforcement needs out there may look a little different than what the law enforcement needs in Moore, Oklahoma are. So we're able to do the basics uh, that's required by CLEAP, but then we build in additional training specific to the needs of, of Moore, Oklahoma, Norman, uh, Midwest City, uh, Cleveland County, uh, Sheriff's Department, and that training is more robust and more geared towards what they're going to need when they hit the streets in the community. The other plus of the program is these are cadets that are being, we have self-pay uh, students that come into the program, but we also have agencies that are hiring cadets, bringing them in, sending them to us for training. Their officers are actually facilitating that training. So when they see areas that may be an opportunity for improvement with a cadet, they're, they're able to correct it then and make sure that once that person hits the street, they're living the culture that is expected in in those law enforcement agencies. Uh, it's, so it's, it's, it's a critical component that I think adds a lot of value to it in that they're getting exactly what they need for their community. That's something that is already being replicated by other communities. I believe there's seven technology center districts in the state of Oklahoma right now that are either offering the basic peace officer certification or are looking into starting that program in a similar format to what we do, where we partner with our agencies. There's not a huge cost that's passed along and those folks are going to work uh, in the communities that they that they live in. So a great program there. The, the second program I wanna talk about is our aviation maintenance technician program. And there's, there's two pieces of that. One is we're working right now to become an FAA Part 147 approved aviation maintenance technology training center. Uh, that'll allow us to prepare students for uh, general aviation, uh, airframe, and, and power plant. So there'll be three uh, certification tests that students will be able to complete after they complete the training with us and go, go out and work in industry. Here in Oklahoma, aerospace is the second largest industry in the state. It's about $44 billion a year annually. Uh, oil and gas is still our, our top uh, our top industry here. But aviation continues to grow, particularly here in central Oklahoma. Uh, we have Tinker Air Logistics Center here. We have Boeing here. Uh, we have AAR, SkyWest, uh, and, and starting to see a very robust uh, aerospace uh, infrastructure, even in manufacturing here in the area. So uh, we want to be a part of the solution and providing the workforce that, that those companies that are already here need, but also as companies are looking to relocate or expand into Oklahoma, we want to make sure that we have a workforce that's here and ready to go. Uh, so we're partnering with uh, many agencies to make that happen. We'll hold our first classes for that in August of 23. But at the same time, all this is going on. Uh, we're partnering with Norman Public Schools uh, the University of Oklahoma and others to to bring about the Oklahoma Aviation Academy. Uh, what the Oklahoma Aviation Academy is, it's, it's part of Norman Public Schools, where beginning in a student's freshman year, they start working on curriculum that is 
essentially all based around the aerospace industry or the aviation industry. Uh, so let's say you're taking an English class. They're going to have assignments that, that tie in topics and, and, and things that are around aviation, math, science. Those, those courses are going to have a, a tie back to that aerospace, that aviation industry. Well, the, the goal with that is that freshman and sophomore year, they're going to be hitting that. But the ultimate goal is that we're going to have three pathways for students that go through the Oklahoma Aviation Academy. One for being engineers, one for groups that want to be pilots, and another that's going to be those students that aspire to be aviation maintenance technicians. So our plan will be for 11th and 12th grade students from the OAA or from other ascending uh, schools of ours, and I mentioned uh, Norman Public Schools and more public schools, will have an opportunity to come to more Norman for either our aerospace training or for uh, our pre-engineering academy. We are also a distinguished, uh, distinguished uh, project lead the way school uh, in the United States. So we have a wonderful engineering track uh, here as well. But the ultimate hope is that they continue on to OU uh, to be an engineer. If that's the pathway they're on, they can continue on to OU to be a pilot. Or again, I mentioned they can come out here to more Norman and in high school with zero debt, zero cost to the student, complete uh, their their AMP certification. So great partnerships, great pathways, and and things that I think other communities can can duplicate. You know, we we went out when we were looking uh, to establish the Oklahoma Aviation Academy. Uh, we visited uh, the DeVos School uh, up in in Michigan and and looked at things that were going on there around aviation and aerospace. So you know, we're we're trying to look at at best practices out there. Uh, we've looked at Wichita State. Uh, we've looked at sister schools here in Oklahoma and how they do it, uh, but we really want to make sure that we continue to provide that necessary workforce uh, in the aerospace industry. That is fantastic. And I'm, I'm curious, so uh, you mentioned that you're preparing them to be engineers, pilots, or the technicians. Do, uh, do you see uh, students going more into post-secondary education, directly into employment, or even into the military with enlistment? I guess the, the best way to answer that is it, it kind of depends on, on which pathway they, they want to go on. Um, you know, with, with engineering, our, our students in our pre-engineering program, it is a true college prep. It's, it's introducing them to the concepts and, and, and theories and giving it to them in a, in a way that they understand it at a deeper level so that by the time they go into higher education, they know the, what to expect with the, the rigor uh, of, of a college engineering program. So we're really encouraging students that go through pre-engineering to continue uh, on that engineering track. Now, we do have some that go through our engineering program that that go a completely different route. You know, they may end up in in CAD. They may be, uh, des you know, uh, computer-aided design and drafting. Uh, we have some that, that uh, you know, aspire to go work at Tinker Air Force Base on the civilian side. And I, I mentioned Tinker. Tinker has over 16,000 civilian employees and is, is one of the largest, if not the largest employer in central Oklahoma. So it, it's not just aviation techs that we're sending out there. We're sending automotive service technicians. We're sending uh, engineers. We're sending electricians, welders. There's a, a, a huge, I mean, it's a, it's a city amongst itself out there. Uh, so we've got a lot of areas that we train students in out there. What we see is we look at each student that comes through our door and we help them map out 
what their future is, is going to look like. We, we work with Mark Perna, and I, I know you know Mark Perna well, the T4S results. Um, Mark started working with us several years ago, and, and we incorporate um, many of his uh, um, ideals and, and, and techniques into how we work with young people. Well, we use career trees here uh, at Moore Norman, and, and for me to explain that in, in, in a quick a quick blitz is to say it's goal setting at the simplest level. We help students identify what their career goals are and put them on a path to reach them. So we have some students that I'll use automotive for an example. Uh, a student may want to, to be a uh, shop tech. Uh, they may want to go out and, and work at one of our dealerships and that's their dream is to is to work in that shop. We're going to get them the training, education, and put them on a path to get there. Uh, we have others that that may want to uh, take it take it up to a, a level for being an automotive engineer. So they're going to go through our auto service program, but we're going to put them on a path that's going to get them the higher education and training that they need to go out and and work in that part of the automotive industry. So it really kind of we really kind of look at each individual student, identify what their specific goals are, and help them get there. Now when I when I talk about basic peace officer, every one of those is they want to be a peace officer and that's where they start, but it's not where they stop. Um, they're in the state of Oklahoma. We have uh, continuing education requirements for law enforcement officers. So they're lifelong learners. Many of them uh, quickly earn their associate's degree, their bachelor's degree, and then work beyond that. So um, I, I'd like to say there's a, a particular path that they go, but there's really not. Um, they've got the college track. They've got straight to a career uh, or they could go into the military and, and with Tinker here and, and with the skill sets that we provide students, uh, we do see a lot of young people that choose military service. Frank, can you also talk a little bit about instructional integration that will align long-term and short-term programs? Sure. Yeah, um, that's something that we've we've really been putting a lot of emphasis on here at Moore Norman Technology Center. Uh, one of the things that I, I want to make sure everyone understands in Oklahoma, one of the things that makes Career Tech different is we serve high school students and adult students in our programs. And um, you know, when we're when we're working with those audiences, uh, sometimes they're in the same classroom. Sometimes, based on requirements for accreditation or different industries, it may be an adult-only track. So what we try and do here at Moore Norman is, again, I mentioned earlier identifying what a student's needs are, but we also look at what industry needs are. Um, we've got some partnerships, and I'm, I'll mention one with Integris Health. Uh, Integris is a large healthcare system uh, that we work with here uh, at Moore Norman, and they came to us and they were really struggling to get surge techs uh, out to uh, to their departments to, to work, and there was a real shortage around it. So they came to us. We have a long-term program, and long-term, it's over a year long in duration, um, a pretty rigorous program, and uh, adults that come into that program have, have a wonderful career opportunity after it. But what uh, Integris wanted to do was they wanted to take existing workforce that they had at Integris, send them over to us to put them through a customized training uh, but it was essentially our full long-term program for surge tech. So it has the same accreditation, uh, the same uh, rigor of instruction, and the same expectations on what someone that completes the program is going to be able to do when they when they get out of it. Well, in the traditional model that we have, that that wasn't something that really 
meshed up well with how we do things. Generally, we'd think of short term as short, short in duration. We'd customize it to them and they'd get out to training really quick. But when you're talking about a 12 to 18 month program with a lot of rigor to it, that flips that model. You're really running a long term program and just coding it a little different so that uh, so that this client that you have is, is going to get the training that they need. Well, when we started looking at that, it, it's when you start looking at shifting the model of how you've always done things. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners have been there. This is how we've always done it. It's going to be very difficult to change it. We said, we've got to change it. We have got to change this so we can meet this client's needs, but still provide the level of excellence that we have in our long-term program. Well, we made it work and we're two classes into that now. Uh, It's been a wonderful partnership, but had we not kind of flipped that model and said, we can can do a long-term program for a customized training for a client and still provide a high quality workforce that that meets their needs. BPOC's another example of it, or basic peace officer certification. The self-paced students, many of them are on financial aid and, and are in our system are considered long-term students. But when you look at our agencies that are sending their cadets over, that's a customized training for an industry partner. So they're sitting in the classroom side by side, learning the same materials. The only way that we know there's a difference is how we code them in our system. When we look at instructional integration, that's really what we want to get to is provide that high quality education at a level of excellence that we expect, but take that label of long-term or short-term off of it and just look at what, one, the student needs, but also what our industry partners are needing, and then surround those programs with services that help them be successful. These are some excellent best practices and innovative approaches to providing solutions, both to business and industry and education. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. And Brian, you've been a member of NCLA and you've attended the conferences. Why should listeners join NCLA? What value do you find in this organization? I'll be real honest. Uh, we, We are a member of a lot of different organizations. But when I look at NCLA, the thing that really stands out about NCLA to me is it's for career tech administrators. Um, it's, you know, when we go to the conference, we're sharing best practices from across the country. Uh, when you bring presenters in, there's a relevance to things that we're dealing with every day. So while while I may have an issue at a local level, when I'm seeing how someone from from a, from another state completely when I see someone from another state completely that's faced a similar problem and I can see how they solved it, that's that's beneficial. Um, and and then, you know, just the the networking component of it as well. I've been able to meet uh, CTE uh, leaders from across the country and to be able to pick that phone up and call them when, when I'm facing something and and they may not have faced it themselves. They might have, but generally they know someone that has and to have that network to help work through uh, difficulties. Uh, uh, is is wonderful. The other thing is a unified voice for career tech education. I think sometimes our message gets lost in in, in the overall scheme of of what education is. Uh, but NCLA has been there. They've been a consistent voice. Uh, they put the right programming in place. They put out the right messages. So uh, it's been extremely beneficial to us, and and we're we're glad to be a part of NCLA. Oh, well, well, thank you for that. And that's it is a testament for collectively what the organization is able to uh, to do for our leaders across the nation. And I have one more question for you. What is your vision for the future of CTE? All right. Well, um, vision of, of the future for CTE. 
Uh, I used to work with a guy named Bob Parrish. He was superintendent at Metro Tech. And one of the things that, that he liked to say about where we are in CTE today is this is not your granddaddy's Votech. Um, and I think when we look at career tech as a system um, and, and as what we do, I think that micro-credentialing and, and certification prep is really going to be uh, the future of, of education. I think people are going to come in. They're going get, to get the skills that they need to go out and work in the industries that they need. I think we're going to look at them more as lifelong learners. Your education doesn't just stop when you complete that 12 or 18-month uh, credentialing program. And, and I think, um, you know, there's always going to be a place for higher education. But I think when you can align from K-12 through career tech, through higher ed, and then maybe you're wrapping back through career tech to get some additional credentialing that you need to advance in your workplace, that's where career tech really finds its niche. Um, and I think you're seeing it with other education entities that are looking at what we do and, and to some extent trying to duplicate it because it makes sense, um, you know, and it, and it provides the workforce with the skills they need when they need it. Well, I would love to come and visit sometime. It sounds like you're doing some fa fantastic things and definitely some practices that others can replicate in their own industry. We would, we would love to have you come to More Norman and, and show off the great things that are going on in our communities. Well, thank you. We'll, we'll arrange that off of the off the recording. And thank you so much. Is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners? Uh, become a member of NCLA. Thank you. And for the folks who are listening in, it is because of your membership that we're able to offer great content like this. And if you have topics you would like for us to address on a future episode, please reach out to me at info at ncla-cte.org. Or if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, please reach out. And thanks again, Brian. Thank you.